What's good, y'all? We're back. So we're going to jump right in, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to get this party started. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your grace and mercy, and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Father God, you are God and God alone. You are almighty. You are great. You are amazing. So, Father God, we thank you that you are sovereign and faithful. And, Father God, as we are here and we gather from all different places, that there's no distance in the spirit realm, that we get to be connected through technology. So, Father, I pray that you would have your way in our hearts, in our minds this morning. Be glorified. I pray all of you, none of me, hide me behind your cross. Father God, I decrease now that you may increase in me. Use me to effectively communicate your truth. And Father God, that you would give the listeners ears to hear, Father God, your truth and your message. Thank you for today. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you that Jesus truly is king. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So listen, how many of you guys know what an idiom is, right? An idiom. Well, it is defined as a group of words established by usage as having a meaning not deducible from those of the individual word. All right, let me just break that down for you, right? Raining cats and dogs, right? That's an idiom, right? So that means it's just raining heavily or maybe saved by the bell, right? That just means that something intervened in your situation that saved you or cat got your tongue, right? Someone that probably should be responding and they aren't responding. Or maybe this one. He said, she said, right? What that is, is it's conflicting reports of two or more parties, usually between a man and a woman, right? He said, she said. And maybe this last one, straight from the horse's mouth, right? What does that mean? You got it directly from the authoritative source, meaning if you wanted to know the truth, then you need to go to the actual person to get that truth. Well, this is where we are today. As a matter of fact, the title for this sermon is Straight from the Horse's Mouth, right? We get this directly as we jump into this, this passage, right, in chapter 21 of Matthew, right? And this may be the best way to describe this particular passage, right? For those that are joining us for the very first time or you're not a part of the movement, church, we have been walking through a series over the last few months uh, entitled Jesus is King. And we are walking through the book of Matthew. But because of Palm Sunday, we're going to jump ahead a little bit to chapter 21 from where we last left off, which was chapter 9. And this is beautiful because it gives us an opportunity to just gleam a little bit of these eight days before Jesus' crucifixion and what really transpired and happened in his life. If you read the first 20 chapters, you see Jesus. He's going from Bethlehem to Egypt to Nazareth. He's going through Gentile areas of Tyre and Saddam, and he's also in Caesarea Philippi, and he's in Jericho and Judea, right? But this is the first time that Jesus, or the first time in Matthew's gospel, that Jesus enters Jerusalem. And chapter 21 records the last week of Jesus's life, right? 
And what we learn in these eight days, a lot happens, right? Jesus gets loose in the temple, right? He challenges religious leaders. He institutes the Lord's Supper. He gets arrested. He gets tried. He gets crucified. And he raises from the dead. Now, that's a full week. That's a lot happening in this week. But this was the week that mankind had been waiting for, right? Back in the garden, this is what God promises. He says this, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Genesis 3, 15. The son of God ultimately fulfills that promise through his crucifixion and resurrection. This week, we plan before time, right? This week was planned before time, meaning this week leading up to Jesus's crucifixion, right? Making it the most climactic week of all history. It's a crazy week, right? But here in chapter 21, we see Jesus asserting himself, right? He is proclaiming himself to be the Messiah straight from the horse's mouth. He is not just Messiah and King and Lord. He is the one who saves us from our sins. He's not just the king of the Jews, right? He's king of the world. He's not just king of the city. He's king of the world, Craig. King of the world. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Right? Can you hear Jesus' own declaration of his kingship? See, Jesus' kingship, it's going to be different in the future. It's not going to look the way we see it now. Seasons are going to change, and it's going to be different at some point. There is a day coming, perhaps very soon, where King Jesus will look different than the King Jesus we see here and know to be right now. Let me read something for you out of Revelation chapter 19. It's 11 through 16. This is what John saw. He said, I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse and he who sat on it called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God and the armies which are in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. For his mouth comes a sharp sword so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the almighty And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Here's a Jesus we can't control. Here we see a Jesus as someone who demands not only our attention, he demands our submission. Right? This dramatic display of judgment comes only at the end of a long period of patience, a long period of grace and 
forgiveness. A long period of mercy. So let me be clear. Let me be crystal clear. This won't be a rush to judgment, right? This won't be God just rushing in and saying, get yourself together. I think about it like this with my children, right? My wife will talk to them and talk to them, and she's the patience, and she's the love, and she's the kindness, right? She's working with them. I need y'all to do this. And my wife will say to do something a bunch of times. But when she calls daddy, that season is over, right? The patience, the, the love, the kindness, it's over. It's a wrap. By the time I'm making my way downstairs, all of that is over. It's going to come a time when that season is over. And Jesus is going to judge those that have been in rebellion against him. He's going to judge those because he is king. And when he appears in the sky on this white horse and with his sword and this, this rod of iron, judgment time. But here in this passage, this is what I want you to see, that there are four ways that Jesus declares his kingship, right? And on this triumphant entrance into Jerusalem, four ways he declares his kingship. Look at the first five verses. Come on, read with me. It says this. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord needs them and he will send them at once. They took place. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a coat and the foal of a beast of burden, right? So why does Jesus want to ride into Jerusalem on a donkey? I mean, why a donkey? Well, it tells us right here, verse 5, it took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey. This is a quote from the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. Jesus has chosen, he's chosen to act out the fulfillment of this prophecy. And he is declaring his kingship as he is acting out this prophecy. Riding on a donkey is a part of his declaration that I am king. Jesus is saying it right here. His actions is speaking louder even than his words. He is saying, I am gentle and lowly. I am king. So here's the thing. It wasn't uncommon for kings to ride on donkeys. When a king was on a donkey, he was a picture of peace, right? It was a picture of his lowliness, his gentleness. See, this is where we can rejoice, right? As he's coming into Israel. Listen to this context in um, Zechariah, both 9 and 10, verses 9 and 10. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. 
righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule, his kingship shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Jesus very intentionally acts out the fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. He is intentionally acting out, and he's declaring that he's humble, that he's gentle, that he's saving. But not only that, that he is a worldwide king. That he's not just king of the Jews. He is worldwide. He is the king of the world. But number two, Jesus declares his kingship by cleaning out the temple. Not only by riding on the donkey, but he's doing this. Look at verses 12 and 13. He says this, and Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. This is what he's saying. As he enters into this temple and he's driving out all those that are buying and selling stuff. Let's not get it twisted, y'all. In Jesus' gentleness and meekness, this lowly savior, he didn't lose passion for his father's glory. He, he didn't lose the passion for who God truly is. So he's bothered by what he sees. And he, he explains his actions. And how does he explain his actions? He goes to Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7. He says, and he says to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. There are two things that, that make this, his actions and this Old Testament quote significant. Two things, right? Number one, the context in Isaiah is about the coming kingdom of God. So Jesus is putting himself, he is inserting himself in this position of the coming king. Right? So he is, he is deliberately talking about himself as king. So the context of this makes him not just king of the Jews, but makes him a worldwide king. But here's another thing. This is what it says. It says, and the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. I'm sorry. This is Isaiah. Isaiah chapter uh, 56. This is this is verses seven through eight. He says, and the foreigners who join them to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast to my covenant these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. 
So what we get here in Isaiah 56, 6 through 8, he's saying, listen, not just those that are already gathered, but I'm going to gather others along with those that are already gathered. In essence, I'm not just scooping up the, the, the Jews, I'm scooping up the Gentiles as well. So that includes us. Jesus is on point. He picked the most fitting prophetic word to interpret his actions in the temple, right? He, he picks the right passage. He chooses one that underlines his coming on a donkey as king and the fact that his kingship is for all people. No one is ex- excluded from his kingship. Listen, his kingship, it's for you this morning. No matter who you are, no matter where you may be, his kingship includes you. This is beautiful. Number three, Jesus declares his kingship by healing. Look at verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Right. Think about the impact of this. Jesus is in the most public place in the city. The most public place right now, the most public places, wherever you may be, are most likely anywhere they're selling food, tissue and cleaning products. Right. Those are the most public places right now. So just imagine standing in the middle of your local Walmart. And you see this guy healing people. You got blind people. You got people that can't walk. You got people that's paralyzed. We're not talking about people with headaches. We're not talking about people that are coughing. Just imagine someone standing in the middle of Walmart and people with the coronavirus are coming up and he's healing them. This is how dramatic. This is how public. This is how open this scene is. And this is a demonstration of Jesus's kingship. This is a demonstration of how mighty and strong he is. This is how Isaiah, the prophet, describes the coming kingship of the Messiah. He says this, be strong, fear not. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and then the lame will leap like a deer. Isaiah 35, 4 through 6. Jesus comes on a donkey, lowly and gentle and patient. He comes and cleans up his father's house to make it a house of prayer for all nations. He comes healing the blind and the lame. Why? All to show that his kingship is now in part as well will be fully in the age to come. We are getting this information. We're getting this truth straight from the horse's mouth. This is this is absolutely amazing. I hope you are tracking and following with me. It isn't just a kingship over other kings. Right. This is kingship over nature and disease. Jesus is king. Now is the acceptable time. Now is the day for salvation. Now is the day 
to trust him. You don't have to wait. You can do that today. Number four, Jesus declares his kingship by his response to children. I know. Let me show you. Verse 15 says this. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? They they are indignant. They are upset. Do you hear what they're saying? And Jesus responds with one simple word. Right at the end of verse 16, he says, yes. Yes, I hear them. You know that moment where, where someone keeps calling your name and you have to, do you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Jesus is saying, yes, I hear it. And he, then he responds, do you hear it? Not only do I hear it, I planned it. I'm receiving it. I receive the fact that they are saying, Hosanna to the son of David. We're lifting up, magnifying the name, the son, the king of David. He says, I gladly receive it. He would gladly receive it from them. And he would gladly receive it from you. Because he is king. But then he ends this section by quoting Psalms 8. He says this, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise? Listen, don't don't miss this. Jesus receives the praise of little children and then explains it by quoting a psalm that's talking about praise unto God. Listen, we can't miss the the subtle indications of who Jesus is. Listen, he he accepts the praise, and then he responds to him by using a psalm right here in the passage that explains it by quoting a psalm where children are praising God. But he's not only claiming his kingship, he's claiming supremacy. He's saying, I am God. I am he. He is I. So straight from the horse's mouth, we hear Jesus, I mean, declaring, I'm sorry, declaring he is king. So here is the concluding declaration, but also an invitation. Jesus came the first time. He is coming again. He will be back. As a king over all kings, king of Israel, king of all nations, king of nature, king of the universe. Until he comes again, there's still time. There is still a day of amnesty and forgiveness and patience. In response to Jesus' declaration that he is king, what will your response be? Will your response be, no, he's not, Allah is. No, he's not, Buddha is. 
or no, he's not, I am. Will you hear what I've shared with you today and understand that Jesus is ready to save all who receive him as Savior and treasure and King? The invitation is come to him. Know him. Receive him. Live your life in allegiance to him. Not in allegiance to yourself. This invitation is to all those that don't know Jesus as king or you are not living a life that reflects the truth that Jesus is king. I'm inviting you to come. I'm inviting you to respond. I'm inviting you to ask questions. If you got any for me, you can reach me, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at wemovecc.org. Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, at wemovecc.org. CCC.org. I would love to answer any questions. You can also put questions in the comments. But the last invitation is to those that know Jesus as Lord, that have responded and would say and proclaim in their hearts, in their lives, and with their mouths that Jesus is King. My response to you would be, watch the throne. I get it. Very popular album a while back, Jay-Z and Kanye, entitled Watch the, Tone, Watch the Throne. And Jay-Z's definition of that was protecting the culture. I know Jesus is a lion. He doesn't need our protection. However, I believe we should protect the identity of the church. And how do we do that? By adhering to and living out the culture, by living in this world as kingdom citizens, living, as, living in the world in a way that communicates to the world around us that Jesus truly is king. So my encouragement and invitation to you as believers is watch the throne. Pay attention. Live in a way that others around you may be able to witness, see, and know Jesus is king. Let's bow our heads. Father God, thank you so much for this message. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your loving kindness and mercy. Father God, I pray that this truth may penetrate our hearts. It may, it may transform our hearts and minds that we may see you truly for who you are. And we may take advantage of this time that we have to switch teams, to switch allegiance, to decide today that we choose you. Because there will come a day in the second coming that that time will be up. It'll be over. Daddy will be coming downstairs and judgment will be coming. Father God, I pray for the listeners and the hearts of all those that are hearing my voice now. That even now you begin to speak to and penetrate their hearts. As we go into this holy week, thinking about Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And all the many things that transpired in his life that make it possible for me to stand here in churches that are communicating all over the world on this very day that Jesus is King.
Help us that we go throughout our week, that we as believers will watch the throne, that we will protect the culture, that we will live in a way that lifts up and magnifies your name. Father, you are worthy, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much. If you need any information, write down in the description. Check it out. If you got any questions, you can leave them in the comments or you can email me personally. God bless you guys. Peace.